guys this topic today is a big one the origins of the obesity epidemic what are your thoughts on it initially and all of you have got your theories is it those pesky carbs is it high fat diet is it this and that blah 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 so confusing anyway it gets even more confusing because there was a three-day conference then in october 2022 34 presentations at the royal society of london to discuss the cause of obesity theories conjectures and evidence right imagine that 34 there's a few contenders right i'm not going to go through all of them but here's the first contender it's the macros contender number one there were three main hypotheses here one for each of the three major macros here's a quick summary of each so you heard this one the hypothesis one carbs so in 1960s the average american was 75 kgs the average male now was 89 kgs so four decades a lot bigger okay so obviously we know calories in calories out and that's the energy balance model um we're all aware of that through turtle but this ludwig bloke was saying that he's the main bloke behind the carbohydrate insulin model of obesity so he thinks carb heavy diet stimulate insulin which promotes fat storage excess body fat then drives hunger which causes people to eat more calories la 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 um but he does suggest that you should think of the two possibilities overeating leads to excess body fat and then more body fat leads to more overeating okay so it, of course that makes sense if you are eating more and you put on more body fat now the signals are going off you're going to eat more calories and you're going to creep up over time people don't pull loads of weight on quite fast typically unless you're yo-yo dieting people the weight creeps up over time so of course the more weight typically leads to more eating and more weight again but just to say that there's a carbohydrate problem is false right so this has been debunked many times this guy's still going with it a lot of these experts have got their own little pigeonholes they've created for themselves and they have to go down that route so because he's been doing it for so many years believes in his carbohydrate insulin model is the number one expert in it do you think he's ever going to change his mind on that now because he's known for that of course not so we have to look at all these viewpoints and see if we can come to some form of conclusion the next one protein this is an interesting one okay so Stephen Simpson, professor at the University of Sydney, executive director of Obesity Australia, says the problem begins with the third macro protein. He says humans, like other species, have specific appetite for protein. That is, we seek it out whether we're aware of it or not. Our appetite for protein drives our overall food intake. We keep eating until we've satisfied our protein needs, even if that means consuming far more calories than we need to maintain our weight. Our appetite for protein increases as we gain weight, which in turn leads to even higher calorie consumption. If not for this feedback loop, we eat more because we seek more protein, and then we seek more protein because we've eaten more. The rise in obesity would have hit a plateau. That's the premise of the protein leverage hypothesis. Okay? So, his studies of insects eating behavior showed a consistent and uncanny drive for protein. They didn't stop eating until they reached their protein target, regardless of the amount of energy they consumed along the way. Humans, Dr. Simpson says, have incomplete protein leverage. We're not driven to eat a specific amount of protein. What we seek is a proportion of protein to the other macros. Thus, a small drop in the ratio of protein to fat and carbs can lead to an increase in calories. Right? That's an interesting one when we think about it. So, a lot of you on Turtle will be like, okay, I'm eating more protein than I used to, and it's helping me control my appetite. So, you could be onto something here. It could be true. It could be that we're under eating protein a lot in today's world and because we're under eating protein we're always seeking more and more foods and the foods we're actually eating don't really contain protein they're typically high carb high fat so 
we're not ever satisfying the protein desire so we keep eating and eating and eating but we never achieve the protein target now what if we went along and did protein first philosophy like we do a turtle calories and protein what if we did eat enough protein what would happen to our calorie intake or calorie drive will it go down well we know protein helps with satiety we know protein helps with muscle building and recovery and if protein does help with our desire to eat more calories as well so say now you eating 100 grams of protein a day satisfy this quota the body has therefore your drive to eat more calories goes way down that might be very very interesting um very something to think about guys make sure you're protein first today let me know how it gets on and if you do want a boost of protein as easy as drinking water oh my good god or a clear away hydro summer berries oh guys i swear down it's like drinking alcoholic drink without the alcohol obviously they're stunning man honestly so 21.4 grams of protein you mix it with water put an ice job done it oh mm. so yeah if you want some of that there's some stock left next one fat hypothesis so this looked at um that glycostatic model proposes that hunger comes from a short-term drop in blood sugar appetite then diminishes as you eat and your blood sugar rises the lipostatic model the set point theory suggests that body fat is the key to long-term weight control a drop in stored fat will trigger increased hunger until the body returns to its preferred weight i don't think so neither model has fared well over the years uh these two right um but there was another factor hiding in plain sight according to leeds university biophysiologist james stubbs energy density the number of calories per gram of food high fat foods usually have more high energy density and when people eat more energy dense foods they tend to consume more calories without noticing obviously 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 that's obvious okay contender number two is it's our physiology okay so this is fat free mass john blundell phd okay says after a half a century of research including some of the most frequent cited papers on appetite control he now believes there's a straightforward explanation for why we eat as much as we do it's our fat-free mass so muscle brain heart kidney liver or kidney the energy demands of these tissues determine our resting metabolic rate and which is about 60 percent of your maintenance and rmr in turn drives our appetite there's no relationship between our stored body fat and how much we eat he says there's no is bmi linked to energy intake even for people with the most extreme obesity it's their fat-free mass not their fat that drives their appetite um i don't think so if fat-free mass drives energy intake why doesn't physical activity have a bigger impact on energy expenditure okay next one is energy compensation right so simple theory before the more you exercise the less you weigh not really accurate okay so the more ec the more exercise you do actually the more you're gonna have your hunger is gonna go up really so that like if you're really inactive and you start moving moderately amount you will start being more in tune with your body so you'll actually probably eat a bit less and you'll be more in tune with your body's demands but if you start exercising more and more and more if you're trying to lose weight and you work out seven times a week you're making it very difficult for yourself to remain in a deficit because that activity is actually fueling more hunger because you need the energy right so energy compensation basically states that if you say a, a calorie tracker says you've burned 100 calories from exercise energy compensation comes in and says wait now we're gonna down regulate we're gonna chill out a bit for the rest of the day so actually a net gain of 71 calories so 71 percent so it's still up right but it's not 100 percent. so the more exercise you do doesn't actually mean you're gonna burn all those calories and burn more fat right so it might be that it gets even worse as the more and more you do and the more extreme you get maybe the body does start adapting this is not starvation mode 
you'll still create a deficit it's just that doing more exercise isn't actually just the simple answer because some people do too much and become really hungry and some of you have had this you do a workout and afterwards you're like ravenous and you're gonna eat everything so imagine that every day to fight when really you can just go for walks and make it easy for yourself and then lose weight and then add in add some weights two three times a week and make it easy for yourself contender number three it's the processing right so it says the food supply give us so many excess calories um so in the 1970s the u.s government encouraged farmers to plant as much as possible to go big or go get out this led to massive increase in soy corn and reproduction which lowered the cost of food as percentage of household income so the result is that ultra processed foods now provide the majority of calories to americans and dr hill says in a 2019 study, participants who were given a diet of ultra-processed foods ate 500 calories a day more than they had on a diet of unprocessed foods. No shock there. The more high-fat, high-sugar foods you eat, the more super delicious mm, foods you eat, the more you're going to want to eat them, obviously. That's how the brain works. It's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Dopamine, eat more, 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 okay? So obviously, we don't really want to be relying on eating our calories in chocolate bar because if you look at 2,000 calories of a chocolate bar, it's not much compare 2,000 calories to like chicken or lean meats and vegetables that's like three or four plates full so obviously you get a lot more volume from the ultra pro the unprocessed versus the ultra processed but as as with everything it's the middle ground the matters the unprocessed foods and the ultra processed foods mix together create a diet that you like eat you know yogurt is ultra processed for god's sake eat the yogurt have your chocolate bar, have your veggies, eat your lean meats. If you're not a meat eater, get your protein source from somewhere else. Maybe something with a high protein, clear away, something like that. Drink your water, get your fruits in, get your vitamins and minerals in, job done. Right? It is that simple, really, but it's hard to do. Simple, but hard to do. Okay, so looking at all this stuff, um, it all comes down to really, obviously we can't, we have to abide by the laws of physics. So if we overconsume calories, overeat energy, and the body doesn't need that energy because it's already done its demands to restore it. And the more we store, the more energy, the more the signals, the bad signals it gives off. And the more fat we store, we gain more fat. And it goes down and we move less and it keeps going, right? So figure out what works for you. If you said to me, Scott, you're telling me I can eat whatever I want. But when I eat a biscuit, I eat 10, right? Well, know yourself. That's a very good observation. Just don't have the biscuit then. If it makes you eat 10 all the time, is it? Can you like have something else and can you start building a different relationship with the biscuits, different relationship with the chocolate over time? Some people can drink moderately, some people can't. You know, you gotta figure this stuff out for yourself. For me, uh, I obviously feel better than myself when I'm eating, when I hit my macros. No matter, it doesn't really matter to me where the macros come from. I just feel good from like a certain calorie limit and macro intake. Um, but I always feel good actually and I notice this a few months ago when my fiber intake was 30 grams a day i was eating a lot of pears eating a lot of fruit i did feel very good to myself um, protein was high fiber was high felt great right so for me if i got a lot of fruits and i love fruit i eat a lot of fruit a day hitting my protein intake and getting about 8,000 steps a day in i am sorted okay so that's for me work out for you but look all the experts are talking there's been a conference and we're still kind of like yeah it's pretty much all of it combined energy balance is obviously there but why are we eating more well put loads of tasty foods in front of any animal in this world and they will continue to eat the tasty foods unless one part of the brain comes in and makes a, a, a executive decision to say whoa 
Maybe we limit this stuff because it's so pleasurable for the brain. Maybe we shouldn't just keep eating this stuff. Robert Sobolski talks about in his books where the baboons he was looking after have actually managed to get food from a skip. This like restaurant was throwing all this food in the skip and they just couldn't stop eating it and they caught diseases and actually died. Look at a dog. Put a nice food in front of a dog. Always gone. Go, go. They will eat until they spew. Right? So they can overwhelm the brain sometimes. So obviously, and if you are in a position where you are overweight or obese, okay, so small steps to matter. It's about, right, where am I today? If I'm overweight and obese, I'm likely eating a decent amount of calories a day. Even if I think I'm not, I probably am. The reason the science tells me I am. How can I make it easy to get into a deficit? Well, if I just track what I'm eating to start with, so I'm aware of what I'm eating and put them in a body first, that's step one. And instead of going into a crazy workout schedule, which might make it harder for me to stay in a deficit because my hunger levels will shoot up, why don't I just incorporate more walking? Maybe I should get to eight to 10,000 steps a day to start with. So I'll track with awareness hit my steps and then I'll move on from there a lot of you might be down the line right but this is important information because there's gonna be a lot of people in your life your family your kids uh, your parents who are gonna have the wrong information about health and fitness and really it's not about joining a certain tribe it's not about being defensive about well it's the insulin model only carbs are terrible it's fats oh my god terrible well it's just protein so just have your protein and forget about everything else like you know it's a bit of everything obviously they all have their merits in a sense, but we know some of them have been thrown out. Like the set point theory, no insulin, model of obesity, not really, because the Twinkies diet, he ate just sugar every three hours, 10 weeks, lost weight, health markers went up. I'm not saying it's the best thing to do, but you are, your body is an energy system. Calories, energy, we get energy from food. Protein provides four calories a gram, carbs provides four calories a gram, and fat provides nine calories a gram. Okay, so they all the macronutrients provide energy to the body, which is utilized, right? So cap your energy. Don't eat. Don't have too much energy to ex excess because it'll store it away. Hit your protein to make sure that's sorted. If you are sensitive to carbs, you are tracking your carbs in the app. You might be someone that likes high carb. You might be someone that prefers low carb. Find out for yourself. Be the scientist. Find out today. Fat intake. You got to make sure that's not too low because it's important for hormonal processes. Um, and then just be a steer on scientist again reminding you as some of you are saying this post challenge still feeling there like i have to remind you like you have to be able to kind of get up today and actually want to improve your health or at least live the life you want today without someone telling you without someone saying oh look you've got to do an eight week challenge now and you're like okay i'll do eight week challenge you can't always wait for these challenges to come about you have to be able to have a solid base and Yes, obviously challenges are exciting and we get motivated, but you don't have to be motivated to follow through your healthy habits. Like, I'm not motivated every day to work on this business or to do rugby war for another business. I'm not motivated all the time to do these things. I'm not expecting every day to be like a triumph and amazing. Oh my God, I love that day so much. Some days suck, some days meh, some days awesome. Each day I, I go with it with the same attitude, with the same kind of, I get to do this, so it's amazing. And that's how it goes. And the same with health and fitness. Like, yeah, you might have a challenge three or four times a year that you get really pumped up about, but then in between them, don't just fall off a cliff. Just keep going. And you might be like, oh, it's a bit mad now. But it's still your health. Still your longevity. It's going to be important for you in later years when you want to be that healthy person, not having complications, still being able to walk about, go on holidays, all that stuff, right? So look at the bigger picture. Like, yeah, motivation is down, but who cares? Since when do we rely on motivation anyway?
we don't need motivation we need commitment to be in the healthiest version of ourselves because our why our deep why and you do the seven levels deep that we've all done you know what you say what's your d deepest why you got to re remind yourself of that crack on and don't let these like oh well i'm not on a challenge well you're never going to be on a challenge all the time so embrace the non-challenge and then embrace the challenge have a good day everyone get your one big thing done and i'll see you tomorrow